This person has made a big impact on our life. Have really learned a lot from her. All right, somebody get me out of here. <laughs> no, we've had our own little counseling in this whole thing. This has been quite the counseling session. <laughs> I hope you've learned a lot. We've definitely benefited from this. <laughs> you we. See Did you see that? Yeah, uh, and I just said we. Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Wow, we have a episode and a half today. It's a good one. One and a half. Probably was, I think it might be one of our best episodes ever. I think for some of our audience, this might be one of the hardest episodes ever. It could be. Okay, so it I want to set this up. definitely be. I really want to set this up because I want to explain how I view this episode. And it's really important. I think this episode is so important to listen to on so many levels. There's a premise that Andre and I have been talking about for the last five years, that we have to fall in love with the next version of our partner. This is a major premise of something we have learned through this entire project. And... Well, that you have different versions of ourselves right. that we're continuously falling in love with. Right. That those versions change. Yeah. Yes. And this is a story of that. Today's whole episode is a, a massive story about that change. And it really caused me to be extremely challenged and to kind of go, if this happened to Andre, what would I do? How would I continuously fall in love with her? Could I stay with you, honestly? And I don't know the answers to all those things, but I will say this, like in listening to their story, I don't know of an example that I've ever listened to that challenged me more than this. I 100% agree. It was, and it's probably one of the most beautiful stories I've heard in so, so long. So here's the deal. As you listen to this episode, I, I know so many of our listeners are going to be like, well, this isn't us. This isn't my story. This isn't, how do I relate with this story? How, what, they're going to, you're probably going to have preconceived, um, some of you will have preconceived notions of what you believe about this is right or wrong or this or that or the other thing, or you may have all kinds of opinions about the whole situation. And I want to challenge you. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I'm going to challenge you right now to not do that. To stick with it. To and listen, listen to the story. Listen to the whole episode. And try for the next hour, however long this is. I don't know how long it is. To kind of go, what do I, what can I learn from this? I, I remember there's a guy, there's a, a, actually a pastor up in New York named Tim Keller that so many people respect. And I remember he shared this idea, and I don't have the exact quote that he said, but he shared this idea that sometimes you can learn the most from people that don't actually think the same as you. Mm. And... And I 100% agree with him. Some of the greatest learnings I've ever had are from learning from people that see the world differently than me. So in this interview, there, there are many of you that will not see the world the same as this couple. And I want to challenge you to stop and let that go for, for just a few minutes and to hear a story and see how it could challenge you in your current relationship. So often we don't know people personally oh, well, and their yeah. personal stories. And we just listen to media clips or things in the news or yeah, just 
impersonal clips and media that don't really personify real people. And many of us might not have people that we know that are like this or friends that we know that are like this, but it's time that we maybe not just listen to a news clip and hear a real story Hmm. that is beautiful And if you don't have a friend or know somebody like this, this is your chance to meet someone that might teach you something new. This is totally true. Honor, I had dinner with a couple recently and they had never, ever met anyone that was trans. Mm -hmm. And, and Andre's had the gift of having many friends in this space. And, and I think this was a really interesting thing. And they said, I wish I knew someone so I could learn more about them in general. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, this these two friends of ours that we got to interview, they introduced us to some stuff and they will introduce all of you to their lives. And it was very vulnerable. And um, yeah, I think this is an opportunity to learn from someone that might be different than you. So today we have the beautiful and amazing Alyssa and Andrea who are going to talk to us about their trans marriage and relationship and journey together as they've been together for 26 years. And here we go, Alyssa and Andrea. Tell us how the two of you fell in love. What's your love story? Oh my goodness. It's a very short and sweet love story. Well, it's still going, but... We met in December of 95. Well, so let me start out by saying that when I talk about Kevin, it's because Kevin is part of this story. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you know that. So Kevin, his brother married my best friend. And so Alyssa, well, Kevin was in California at the time and flew to Utah to meet his brother's fiance. And my friend said, why don't you come out with, you know, my fiance's brother and we'll go out and have fun. I said, no, because I just got out of a really long relationship. My parents sent me away to Malaysia to get away from this kid. And oh my. home. That's a I, long ways away. Yeah. That was my, my aunt and uncle lived in Malaysia. So that was, okay, you can go somewhere that far. We're going to, we're going to send you there. (laughs) So, and I came home and it was not about any dating or anything like that. And I said no a couple of times. And my mom said, what do you got to lose? This guy lives in California. I'm like, okay. She's like, just go get a free meal, go hang out, have fun with your friend. I did. And we had a, the most amazing date and I got home. I sat on the side of my mom's bed and cried because oh. he lived in California. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> um, it's okay. You've got notes. <laughs> so my mom said, there's this new thing called airplanes. <laughs> go visit. So I went out in February and Kevin proposed April or May, and then we were married June 1st. Oh, wow. So this was a fast-moving 
fast, fast, fast. Yeah. So, and it was back, you know, before we had cell phones. So how old were you both? I was 19. I was 23 at the time. So there was no cell. We, we couldn't afford to Babies. date. Or my, my phone bill was like six, $700 a month. You know, I call, long I call distance, the- long yeah. distance was a thing back yeah. then. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, babies. So now you have been married how long? 26 years. Okay. That's impressive. Yep. That's three impressive. kids and a grandbaby. And here we are. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So is there like that that to me I'm curious is that like love story number 1 and then there's love story number 2 or is it just like a how, how would you explain this the second phase of the relationship? That is a really good question because before we met Kevin said I just want you to know I'm very attracted to feminine things and I said okay great let's let's play around with feminine things you know there's there wasn't a word that said, okay, I want to become a woman. I want to become, you know, whatever that it just wasn't there then. Yeah. And there was no internet for me to Google, Hey, what do I do for my spouse who wants to be maybe become a woman full time? So we just kind of went from there and working through it all. And we're finding a balance and it's working out so far. Well, let's go back. So was this a like a secret, Alyssa, that you were kind of keeping, or was this a known out in the open throughout your whole marriage? Like, how was this kind of brought about, or was there like a moment? Or that's such a valid question, and it's such an important question. It's the question that most people have. Hey, how long have you been trans? Like when, when was this discovery, you know, this realization that happened and, and it's a, it's a question I get quite often. And I just actually created a timeline that, that kind of would help people understand the, the, the journey differently. Mm. Um, and if you'll give me one minute to share that with you, I think it will shape probably the rest of this conversation. Yeah, that'd be great. If, if you understand that. So I don't know how to do this. Um, I know that, that your viewers can't can't see a screen, but I'm just going to turn the phone to a screen so you get a visual of the timeline and then you can help me explain that if you want to. Yeah, that's great. That's I love great. it. I love it. This currently says trans journey timeline. All right. So this is, this is going to be, so at, at, by age five, five to seven, I, I don't know when there, when my memories actually started. I don't have a ton of memories before that. So by this time, I knew that that world was very, very familiar to me. This is a this is a world that would be extremely comfortable for me. And, and that was early on. So by, you know, first grade, I'm saying, hey, mom, for this school parade where we go around in, in our costumes, I'd like to be a girl. Okay. And she said, OK. So she she put makeup on me, little stockings, the whole deal. And, and it was like this this moment that that was as comfortable and natural for me as, as any moment that I've had. It was so like refreshing. Okay. Well, the next year I say, Hey mom, which is, what do you want to be for Halloween? And I said, well, how can I be a girl for, for the school parade? She said, no, no, you, you've already done that. Why, uh, why don't you be the Hulk? And I said, Oh, okay. So she got some face cream, put some green food coloring in it, spread all over my body, cut, ripped one of my shirts. Right. Well, by the end of the parade, I was just a kid with a ripped shirt and smooth skin. Right. <laughs> so, it, but that was the first time, but she was amazing to do that. So this is this is by that time I was already very very aware. Then I have high school, right? In high school, between seven and seventeen, 
It's just sports. It's athletics. It's it's every boy thing that you can imagine, you know, because I'm in the same situation as boys. It's just me surviving. But the whole time understanding, well, that would be good for me. I, I could appreciate all of these other things around me. Then at 19, I went straight from high school to, for to an LDS mission. So what's LDS? LDS means Mormon. Okay. It's, it's a Mormon. So we were Mormons at that time. And so I went directly from high school to Tokyo, Japan, where I was a missionary for two years. So for two years, I did nothing but like church work, right? There was no dressing. There was no anything. You, you know, 24 hours a day, you were just immersed in this, in this missionary work. But I was still very, very active. I was very, very physical. Health was always extremely important to me. But of course, no dressing. That just, that, that wasn't there. Now, when I came home from a mission, then I immediately, this was the first time in my life that I've got to have the freedom to, to, to dress by myself, right? I'm not, I'm not in anybody's home and whatever. And so mm. I, for the first time, I get to start playing with makeup and dressing and going to Halloween parties as a girl, but that kind of stuff, but doing it by, my, by myself. Then I was married at 23. So I came back at 21, almost 22. I was married by 23. So it's a very short window there. And then I tell my wife, hey, you know, I don't know why, but female things are important to me. I feel valuable. I feel, I feel different. I understand this world on a cellular level. And so she said, okay, awesome. So we're married at 23. Oh, dear. Cute. Yeah, I know. Look, how, look, how, <laughs> look at that photo. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Then right out of the gates, we start dressing. In fact, this is our first picture of us dressed right here. So this was maybe two months after we were married, three months after we were married. This is Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It was one of these saloon pictures. And I said, can I be the saloon girl? And she'll be the cowboy. Yes. So they told her, okay, you look, you look mad. You're the cowboy. You're this tough cowboy. You look mad. And they didn't even have to tell me to look happy. That wasn't even up. So this is a reverse the black and white old school yep. yeah. picture. I'm just making sure our audience gets the mm -hmm. idea. But you were the female, Alyssa, is what yes. you're saying. Yes, so I'm the, I'm the saloon girl or whatever yes. those girls are with called. with the sexy dress. Okay. Yeah. So so between the ages of 23 and 37, we're just doing our own thing. We're just, we're leaving out of town. We're going away. We're, we're creating these experiences as they become available. By 37, Andrea says, look, I want to give you a name. I, I, Kevin is not appropriate for, for these other times. And so she gave me the name Alyssa. And so this was a really, really important step uh, for me personally when Alyssa got a name, when this identity, when this value system that I have internally actually got a name. Now, at 40, 43, I went on hormones. Mm. So at hormones, that changed everything. So the moment I went on hormones, uh, I went off blood pressure medicine. I never had a headache again. I, I never took another migraine medicine again. And all of those things went away once I got on hormones. Now, I had some surgery at 45. So at 45, I had some fat transfer. So that's where they take some fat out of your abdomen or wherever. And they put that on your sides, on your hips and on your butt to give you more of a shapely figure. Um, and, and even though it didn't last for the little bit that it did last, it was amazing. Like it was, it was incredible, but fat transfer is very, very hard to work. Okay. Now here I did it at 47. Um, I came out and, and I'll tell you what prompted that. Uh, I had a 30 year high school reunion coming up. Andrea said, well, are you going as Kevin or Alyssa? Mm. And I go, what? <laughs> I said, well, well, Kevin, of course. And she said, why? I said, because there's not one person in my past that would recognize me, that would know me as Alyssa. 
And as soon as I said that, I had I was overcome with shame and guilt that I had spent so much of my life having conversations that were not important to me, not sharing who I am with the people that that were important to me. I'm engaged in everybody else's journey and helping them be their best and do their best. And there just wasn't anybody that that understood who I was. So I came out of 47. And then at 50, we just decided I had to quit the corporate, my, my corporate world. And we decided, hey, I need more of this in, in my life. And so, you know, uh, at the first part of this year, we decided, I don't know what this is going to look like. We don't know what the right balance for our family is going to be, but let's do it publicly so people understand the journey, the struggles, the frustrations, the disappointments, and whatever happens, at least it will be real. And maybe this will give people a reason to suspect less and to be less suspicious and, and you know, all of that stuff. So at, at this age right here is when we came on social media and probably how you found us. So let me go back to your question. Your question is, so how long have you been trans? So, and I want to answer this in an honest way. So I was aware since then, right? So to go backwards, you said aware since you were between five and seven. That's right. But by 21, I was dressing regularly. By 37, I had a name. I was on hormones at 43. I had surgery at 45. I was out at 47. And now I'm living 50-50. So based on this, when you ask me, how long have you been trans? I guess I need to know, I don't know which one of those things validates it for you in your mind. Because the only difference for me between five and 50 was access. That's the only difference for me. Hmm. It's interesting because it's like how other people perceive it versus how you felt your whole life. That's right. So was I less trans when I didn't have an opportunity to present this way, to explain it when I didn't have the words to explain it or, or, the clothes to show it, you know, mm-hmm. was I still trans at that point? That's the question. So let me ask you guys. And I love, I love that you asked the question because I want to know how to answer this in an honest way. I want to, I want to know what you're looking for. At what point of this did my, did, did, did Alyssa become valid? But what mm-hmm. would you guess is the, the most honest way to answer this question? Oh, wow. That's so hard. That's a very difficult question to answer. Yeah, because I think you should be validated your whole life. I mean, if that's your true core on the inside, then that should be a validation all the way through. But I think the world, when we see trans, that's something different. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling. I'm curious. Thanks for flipping that background. I mean, it's interesting because I don't, obviously this isn't my experience. This is your experience and to try to, answer that on behalf of you is like very, yeah. very difficult to, it's interesting to me. I, I have a feeling when Andrea like is it, it, how that timeline looks like, it feels like Andrea kind of knew this on the journey. And then there was a point when it was like, when you probably gave Alyssa that name, that it was a complete validation, like full. Mm-hmm. So there was something really, monumental about that moment is that uh, which I I don't know I I looked through that lens a little bit you know what I never thought of it that way but for me I really didn't know like the terminology so I just thought well this is something that Alyssa enjoys so 
it wasn't really, I guess, until 37 that I thought, okay, this is, this is our lives from here forward. And it's going to be more enjoyable for both of us because we're both being honest and we're both being true to ourselves because we have been doing it for, you know, almost 17 years by ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you pointing that out because I, I, I just, I can answer the question mostly because Alyssa couldn't answer that question. Mm -hmm. But for me, I always knew that she was different, but not, I didn't know that the transgender word for Alyssa, but I knew that she was. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. the word wasn't there when we were married available in, to you. Yeah. in 1990, six. So <laughs> yeah. when we figured out that there was a word for it, it almost solidified our feelings about being trans. When, when I first heard that word, I was like, that's you. That's you. Oh my gosh. So well, I think it felt good to know, wait a minute wait a minute, we're, we're not the only ones. We felt like we were the only ones in this world from here to here, right? There was no Google. There was yeah. no There was no anything but medical journals. Yeah, transvestite, that didn't feel like me. So I didn't want to say, hey, look, I'm a transvestite. Hey, I'm a cross-dresser. I, to me, at that time, that had something to do with more sexual than anything else, which, which ends up, that's not really what that means. But I guess at that time, it's probably the best... Yeah. description that I could have given somebody, mm-hmm. right? And tell you, you know, all the way through. So, you know, and then, and let me say this, just because Andrea knew that this stuff was important to me early on, that that doesn't minimize the struggle and frustration. She, she may have understood early that I was different, but it's the same surrender process that every poor spouse has to go through. She still had to surrender the, 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 the mirror. She had to surrender some of being, <laughs> the, you know, the girly one and the, this one and the, that one. And there's mm-hmm. still a surrender there that's so real and so difficult. And, and I, we had a heads up because it was organic. It wasn't like I came to her one, one time at 37 years old and said, hey, look, we've been married for 15 years. And guess what? I want to be right. But that that is where a lot of people are, not because they're liars, mm-hmm. right? Because they're trying to figure out what words to use to tell that mm-hmm. spouse. Is it wasn't transvestite, it wasn't this. But look at trans. I could say trans, but look at the trans community arguing and, and eating itself. Mm-hmm. Like they're demanding this and demanding that. I don't feel like any of that. I just feel like being beautiful and and whole and and healthy, mm. right? So there's this there's this gap that's happening right now where there is a bunch of people that would like to express to their spouses, "Hey, look, I have these abilities. You know, it's different. It's not deviant, but it is different." Mm. And and the spouse has to be flexible in that thinking and their expectations of what they need out of their partner. And there has to be a realignment of expectations and needs. Otherwise, you get too far too fast. Hmm. Andrea, I'd love to want to follow up on that question for you. I mean, I appreciate the timeline that you explained because this has been a process, right? A huge, I mean, 30 year, more than 30, 50 year process, I guess. For you being right alongside that journey for so many years, how was that going through all of that? I'm guessing you're when you started the marriage to where it is today doesn't look like what you 
originally <laughs> thought, right? So how did you how did you change and process that along the way? Okay. So long story short, Alyssa and I or Kevin and I did have the conversation of, you know what, babe, this coming from me, I would not have chosen mm. to marry a man who is going to turn into a woman. I I said that out loud, mm. not once, not twice, many times. But at the same time, there was moments that I would see Alyssa and go, oh, she's happy. She's healthy. This is important, which became important to me because her being happy and healthy made our marriage better. Mm. And a lot of people would ask, why, why are you doing this? Mm. This is not you. You're not, you're not gay, quote unquote. You're not a lesbian, quote unquote. And and then that is when I decided that I was going to maybe pursue my own pronouns per se, because a lot of people addressed me as a lesbian, as gay. And I was like, wait a second, I'm not. I'm not a lesbian. I'm not gay. I married a man. But then I I'm like, but wait. I get to explore this with Alyssa being a woman and seeing for myself that I can do this and I want to do this and I want to support my spouse. My spouse is supporting me. My spouse is not doing anything harmful to me. And people many times say, well, it's not fair. Alyssa didn't come right out and tell you. But Alyssa did, Kevin did come out and say, hey, I like this. There were no words. I never felt like I was lied to. I never felt like, Mm. you know, it was a secret or, Mm. you know, she was keeping things from me. There were moments that I thought, well, she is keeping it from me because she, she was quote unquote hiding it from me. But she wasn't hiding it. She was trying to help both of us figure out our, how comfortable we were with this. And as time went on, everything became not comfortable, but natural. And I also had an experience praying about it. You know, what, what is this? Why am I here? Why am I supposed to be doing this? And I prayed and prayed. And I actually went to our church, our Mormon temple, and I prayed and I asked, I asked God, why God, why am I here in this journey? And I got confirmation that I'm here for a reason. And I chose this and you can do this and it's going to be amazing. And the list is going to be amazing. Your family's going to be amazing. I got confirmation that my kids were going to be there for us. They were going to support us the best way they could. And with that, our journey almost became like we were dating. I was dating Alyssa and I fell in love with Alyssa. And whether or not people say I'm gay or lesbian, who cares? I love this person. I love this human. She is beautiful and amazing. And she's teaching people how to be themselves. She's teaching me how to be myself. She's teaching me to branch out. You know, we all do hard things. We all can do hard things. We just have to choose to do it. We have to do it the best way we can. And I feel like the journey was really hard and difficult. But at the same time, 
it was amazing and beautiful. And I hope that people can realize that setting aside differences and pronouns, I guess you can say, I feel like I've become a better person knowing that we're here because of both of us. Mm. We're here not just because of me. We're not here just because of Alyssa. We're here because of both of us. And we've communicated and said hard things and done hard things done. You know, Alyssa puts up with me more than I have more than anyone, (laughs) (laughs) but she's been there for me. He's been there for me. And I don't, I don't want to be anywhere else. And people don't understand that. You know, they say, well, how do you do this? And I, and I hear their stories about their spouses and I think, well, shh, how do you do that? How do you allow that? How do you, you know? Hmm. So if you can put yourself where you're comfortable and your spouse can be comfortable, then things align better. Sorry, that was, <laughs> that, was, that was beautiful. I got tears. Beautiful. I got tears, Andrea. Wow, like that's so beautiful. And 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 maybe part of that comfortable she's talking about is safety. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of couples, trans or not, that, that just don't feel safe. They don't feel safe to say what they need to say or feel say what they really feel or say what they really need. And I think we would once we got to a point of safety where it was okay to say out loud, hey, these are things that are important to me and this is really what I need. And then give the other person a chance to respond to that if it's comfortable for them, then then it changed everything. But once you're in a safe place, then you're not on eggshells every minute. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're constantly going, hey, what do you need from me right now? Because I really feel comfortable. I can go to you with whatever I need. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been a real a big thing for us, yeah, I think. Yeah, we've ha- we've had to, you know, as me myself, when somebody says, "Hey, I need this" or "I want this," sometimes I feel like I'm doing things wrong. So, advice to like trans spouses: you're not doing it wrong. They don't know you're doing it wrong until you've done it wrong, and things are important to them that may not be important to us. And being able to ask and even though it might feel, com- be, you know, if Alyssa wants me to do something and I don't feel comfortable or I'm not really sure about it, I, I always tell myself, you can do it once. You can always try things once, hmm. try things twice. And if it doesn't work out, then you know it's not a safe place for you to do things. And because of that mindset that I had, I've been able to kind of open up the world a little brighter and bigger, not only for Alyssa, but for myself. This is so interesting. Like I'm looking at this through the lens um, and like taking a step back and thinking about, we talk a lot about when I married Andre, she's not the same person when I married her 20 years ago. Like she's changed in so many different ways and I've learned more about her and probably know her at a deeper level today than I, I not probably, I know that I know her at a deeper (laughs) level. I know what she wants and needs in ways that she wasn't able to communicate to me 20 years ago. And I, and I think that's like, um, I think that's an interesting, like universal 
truth in this process of long-term committed relationship. Like if you stay, how well do you want to learn the next version of this person that's right next to you? Your, your story is very different than ours, but also I'm like, wow, there's, there's a lot of similarities in a different way, you know? It, it's not that different. I yeah. know it, Universal it truth. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It, it looks, looks different, different. Yeah, but but it's not. And you're absolutely right. You know, I'm 50 years old, and 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 Kevin 5.0 looks different mm. than Kevin 1.7 in high school. <laughs> right? It's, it's just different. All of us have a progression. Been married 26 years. This relationship 2.6 <laughs> is so much different. 12.9. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's just so different, but it's the same thing. It's, it's about give and take. It's about flexibility. It's about stepping outside of your own ego and stepping in somebody else's needs. And that's not easy for any marriage, not just ours. Hmm. Yeah, let's switch gears a little. We've talked definitely about like you two together and like that story and solidified that. But how did you deal with the world around and the perceptions and family. And it sounds like you were a part of the Mormon church. And I mean, so how, cause obviously now this is a visual change, not just a, you know, inward with you two getaways and things like that, but now it's a bigger visual change. How have you dealt with those perceptions around you? Yeah. Well, that, that's a great question. Um, it was it was easy, much easier at first. It's much more difficult now than it was at first. Um, so when I when I came out to my family, they were extremely they're extremely supportive, and I have I have a very large family. Both of our families are are very committed to the church and uh, the Mormon uh, belief system. And you know when I came out to my family, they were they were super super good. They my my family's just good people. Mm. Um, but, but about three months after I came out the church came out and made a public statement and said, absolutely not. And they drew a line in the sand and said, if this is how you live, if this is how you, you practice, th then you will be limited to the benefits, you know, of, of the church. And so once they limited the access, it changed everybody's mind who who's in that religion. They went, wait a minute, that's wrong. Let's, let's reconsider maybe how we feel about this, our support. If that's not good, we surely do not want to encourage anything that's not good. And so, you know, it's tough because of where we live here in Utah and, and almost the, the majority of people in our lives are members because we were in this community and this church for so long. And so to suddenly wake up and look around and realize that that everybody has to believe that you're a little less, you know, it, it is it is disheartening. It is because we were very active in the church for for almost our entire uh, marriage, and all of a sudden we wake up and you know here's a notice you're unnoticed publicly that 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 you now have restricted access, and uh, so that even was even as a spouse they told me, okay, well you're supporting your spouse, so you don't get the benefits either. And I was like, okay, so so that was you know that was I but luckily luckily it's just a. I'm so grateful that I got to have the conversation with my people before mm -hmm. they got the word that it wasn't good. Mm -hmm. And that was, so it was a much sweeter experience than I think it would have been otherwise. Um, and I've also been very, very 
disappointed with how the trans community has reacted to me. So most of the venom and the hate that I get is from within the trans community saying, quit calling yourself trans. Where I'm a trans woman, you're not a trans woman. You're just, you know, you're you're Kevin, you're Lisa, you're Kevin. You're not trans. You're making us. You're made. You're you're invalidating our reality and our struggle and all of these things. And you're saying and that really, because you're fifty fifty, like you fifty fifty yes. are Kevin fifty fifty. Okay. Yeah. That, that, so that's because correct. you're not staying fully, Alyssa, they are saying that you're not trans. That, yeah. That's right. And okay. so, you know, I said, well, hold the phone. We're, we're in the process of figuring what that ratio looks like for us. And I may go all the way, Alyssa, I may not. We're not in that moment yet. We're still mm-hmm. in the moment of, of figuring out the dynamics for our family. And so it was so surprising and frustrating for me to have this community that's demanding, no, you refer to me this pronoun, you do this, turn around and tell me that I couldn't pick my own pronouns that I couldn't describe my own journey was so, was so surprising to us. It was so mm-hmm. frustrating. Like, wait a minute, I'm here trying to show the world that it's not deviant. It's just different. And these are some of the struggles and things to be aware of when you're dealing with your trans people at work or church or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And, and so that has been really disheartening. But at the same time, the more I've thought about that, the more I kind of understand it. See, transgender, trans means to cross or across. So transgender simply means to, to cross genders. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. It's, it's very, very generic. Mm-hmm. So if you're a trans woman, well, woman indicates the direction that you're going. So when I tell people, hey, I'm trans, we always get halfway through a conversation. And then I realize they don't know if I was born a male or a female. Mm-hmm. And they're going, so wait a minute. Wait, so what were you born as? So when I say, you know, trans woman, that doesn't mean I know what it feels like to be a woman. I was fighting my guts out my whole life, doing the best for my camp, my family and, and in my career and, and all this stuff. I didn't experience those things. I didn't even have that chemical balance. So how would I possibly understand all the struggle and vulnerability and, and everything special that makes a woman a woman? I don't claim to know that. I don't claim to understand it. I don't claim to, to even be worthy of that. That was never my goal. My goal was to be whole. And me being whole doesn't mean that I have to share every experience with every woman that's lived. Mm-hmm. Matt Walsh's, you know, video was a woman. It, it doesn't matter because whoever's definition of that woman does suddenly I don't get the ability to dress to my strengths, depending on what somebody else's definition of a woman is. The question's irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It's completely irrelevant. So, you know, I'm I, I our purpose of being public is to say, look, guys, if, if this is your reality. It's okay. There's a way through it and you can be healthy and you can be happy and you can surround yourself with people that are encouraging and, and supporting. But it's very dangerous for the trans community right now. Well, I, I guess I also take a lot of heat because of my position on sports. So I come out, you probably have seen it. Uh, my, my position in sports is I, 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 number one, I am for participation, but, but I'm against an advantage. So I don't believe that a trans girl should compete with a with a cisgender girl, unless they experience the same puberty. And if they experience a different puberty, I don't think they should compete. And the reason why is because athletics is about your physical ability. Mm-hmm. Transgender is about gender identity. They're, they're, those two things are, are don't align. Mm-hmm. And when, when these guys are saying, no, no, I want on the soccer field. No, I need to be on the tennis court. It, it's keeping everybody else from letting the rest of us go in a safe bathroom because they're, they're combining it. 
And I'm saying, guys, I want to normalize this. And no, we can't normalize it if it comes with an advantage. Hmm. So I'm against sports because this can't come with an advantage. I don't need an advantage. You know, your discipline, your mindset, your attitude, that's the advantage that you need. Hmm. So I feel like we got pressure this way from the churches. We got pressure this way from the right. We got pressure <laughs> this way from the trans community. Does anybody like, like you guys? You're like, no. Like, <laughs> Seriously, right? Jeff and Andre like, do. Yeah. Jeff and Andre do. <laughs> um, I have, what about work? That was another question I had. How did that, has that impacted, has this impacted your work? Hmm. That's a really good question. So no, no, it hasn't. Hmm. Um, because again, I didn't come out publicly till just, uh, till, till recently. Yes. There were people at my works, you know, I've been, uh, in the director role or, or higher for, for a long time for, you know, 15, 20 years. So there were managers, there were special employees that did know, and we would go out after work and we would do things as Alyssa. Now, mm-hmm. I worked in Vegas, and my family's here in Utah. And so there was about a seven-year period of time where I could come home from work, take off my full suit, the mm-hmm. Rolex, I could take off the cufflinks, and then I would get dolled up, and I would I would get to, to be Alyssa and create Alyssa. And then when I'd come home on the weekends, then, then I got to be a dad and a husband and all of those things that everybody else needed me to be. And so it wasn't until we stopped having those two residences when we said, okay, I'm coming back to Utah full time, but I need more Alyssa. I can't turn that off. That's, that's, that's not what's, that's not what I want for my health. That's not what I want for my happiness. And so when we came back here now, what I'm doing full time is, is, and I'm trying, I've got this business that I'm launching and I, and I know that this is what you do, sir. You could probably <laughs> help me out, but I have a business that I'm putting together that's just about gender identity and awareness. Mm. And it's it's this incredible thing and I've been working on it and it's it's getting closer and closer, even though I don't know anything about business or or starting a business or running a business. So if you have ways to help me, it would be I'm amazing. here for you. I'm here for you. That at a different okay. call, I'm here for you anytime for sure. That's right. So you, we need to exchange information. So Love it. so anyway, that's gonna that I'm hoping to release this and get going with this in the next six weeks. And so that that has been my business pretty much all of this year. Mm. That's exciting. So, but I, I stepped, yeah, I stepped down um, from my last job to do this. Mm. And uh, th- there was only one person at that company that that knew, and they were great, and they, they were fantastic. Could they have accepted this there? Would I have been able to work this way there? I, I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Um, you know, I, I was the, the national sales director for a medical device company. And, you know, you, do you want this representing you? There's too many people that don't understand it. There's too many people that are suspicious and critical. And why would you put that suspicion and that misunderstanding as the face of your business? I have a follow-up question to that statement you just said. There's too many people that don't understand this. You said that. And I've heard you say that a few times. Mm-hmm. What for you, for both of you, what does understanding mean? If someone understood, what would they understand in your mind? Uh, they would just simply understand that it's not deviant. That mm-hmm. there, there is no deviance to it. I mean, if I, my, I was aware since I was five to seven, I was aware and having these thoughts and these ambitions long before there were erections, long before there were sexual, mm-hmm. you know, anything. 
right? This isn't a product of that. Now, it's true that there is a very sexual um, part of, of this element to this because there's sensuality in everything. But this is not, it's not sexually driven. It's, it's just switches that were turned on. Mm-hmm. And, and rather that that's the hormones in in foods or rather it's the pollution or rather it's the vaccinations or rather it's genetic stuff, you know, rather it's reincarnate. It doesn't matter. What matters is that the experience for a lot of people and the question that we all have to ask or at least be able to answer is number one, do, does everyone get to love who they want to love? That's the, the first question. If so, whether or not we're lesbian, it doesn't matter. Do we get to do we get the opportunity to love who we love? And number two, does every human get the right to be who they want to be? If the answer is yes to those two things, then there's nothing deviant. There's no reason to be suspicious. But I think the world is changing. And, and you know, something that that's interesting when it comes to understanding, I feel like there's a correlation between people accepting me the way they feel about me and the way they feel about women. So those people who think that, that, that feel like women are less, well, they look at me and go, what are you doing? Why would you want to be less? There's no reason you would go backwards. You, the only reason you would go backwards is because you want access to these spaces, to these private places, to this stuff. It doesn't make sense for you to go backwards. And, and every time someone says that, I go backwards, <laughs> being whole, using all of your switches is never backwards. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you think that 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 a woman is backwards from a man, that tells you what the where you feel, you know, what the equality is right there mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And there's I'm surprised at how many women go, why would you want to do that? Why are you coming back? You've got this this privilege, you got this man thing. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. You think you're less than a man? Like what? Mm-hmm. Men don't get to experience a fraction uh, of the joy and the happiness and the and the security and the the level of stability that I feel. What do you what are you saying? You're less. So I think as as if people thought that everyone is evil uh, equal, then what would it matter if I was presenting as a male or female? They're equal either way. Don't don't judge me based on my clothes. Judge me based on my behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we talked about work and other people around you in church. And then what about your kids? You guys said you had three kids. Is that right? Yep. So how did that go down? And what was the process with kind of coming out to the kids? Well, in the beginning, we talked about waiting until they were, you know, adults and meaning 18 and then they could have the the right to choose for themselves they wouldn't feel pressured they you know their friends we know the community all their friends are most of them are from our church old church and so we were worried about them more so than us and when we told our oldest she was 18 and she was just like why didn't you tell me before she was like she was almost mad like, why didn't you tell me? And since then, their relationship, Alyssa and our oldest, they've been able to go out and do ear ear piercings, belly button piercings, you know, <laughs> different things to, she shows her support to her dad and to Alyssa. And we told, once we told her, she said, mom and dad, you got to tell the other kids, you can't wait. You can't wait till they're 18. 
And we thought about it for a minute and we said, okay. So then we told our son and he was like, all right, you do you dad, whatever. I'll support you how I can, when I can, you know, whatever. And our youngest, she was 12 or 13. 13. Yeah, 12 or 13. And we told her and she just sat there and she just went, that's what she with her hands. Just the mind blown. Just the mind blown. She sat there for a minute, and and then she was like, "Okay, so those aren't your wigs. Those aren't your shoes. Those aren't your clothes in the closet. Those are dads." I'm like, "You got it, girl." And uh, they they kind of put connections together. Yeah. Oh, that's what couldn't go with you on that vacation. That's why we couldn't go in your room. That's why we couldn't go with you to dinner or whatever. And they never said, well, why, why did you lie to me? They understood why we did it because of church and community and just life in general. Mm. And they've all been on our lives. They've all been out with Alyssa and I, and quite frankly, when I prayed about this journey, I, I was overcome with knowing that our kids were going to be okay. And they've been so supportive and amazing. I know it's been hard because it is hard, but their friends have been really supportive. The ones that have come to us and said, Hey, I know your daughter. I know your son. They're amazing. And you guys are amazing. Um, so I don't, I don't feel like they've lost friends from this. I feel like they've gained a lot of friends and me for myself, um, telling my family and friends, I just gained closer friends. I didn't lose any friends. I might have lost acquaintances that I don't really know about, mm-hmm. but they have, you know, they're not going to come up to my face and tell me, but my friend, my small group of friends that I do have are very supportive of me and my my choices, our journey, they, they've been on the lives with us several times and they're just, it's almost made me realize how important being honest with our friends and family is because you won't know how they are going to respond until you tell them. And if you're that worried about losing someone, you just got to decide are they worth losing? And we haven't lost anyone that we're sad about. You know, <laughs> that sounds mean, but no. <laughs> it, it's just, you just know yeah. when you're, when it's all said and done, who, who is supportive and who's mm. not. Yeah. We, we, we really have an advantage because our kids were so great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for 18 years, it was one of the biggest fears of my life was tell my kids mm-hmm. um my biggest fear my biggest fear of all was that my son would be trans and that was my number one fear that, that it was genetic and that he would be trans and he would have to split his his attention and and his energies and his and his commitments that was but but second of all it was just telling the kids and, and my daughter the oldest one when he first told her we were so afraid we just sat down we told her she went like this and she only had one question. And her question was, Dad, what do you think you're going to look like in heaven? Mm. And, and, and I, 
I hadn't considered it. And I go, um, well, Sam, I think I'm going to look like your dad. I'm just not going to have the same incongruence that I feel here. Mm. But I guess I'm going to just look like your dad. Mm. And she got this kind of wrinkled her nose and she just, she, she didn't like that. And I went back to Vegas. This was on, on the weekend. I go back to Vegas to work, but it bothered me. So I called her and I said, Sam, you only asked me one question and you didn't seem to like my answer. I said, what do you think I'm going to look like in heaven? And she goes, dad, I think your best self's going to be in heaven, whatever that looks like. And if your best self is a girl, I think you're going to look like a girl. And if your best self's a boy, I think you're going to look like a boy. <laughs> and and it was this really, really powerful moment for me going, you're right. Maybe I can look like, and when I looked in the mirror dress, I went, gosh, I would love, if this was even an option in heaven, I would just be the happiest person ever. And it was such a spiritually mature view to take on her part as an 18 year old. And she, she turned around and said, dad, I've really been thinking about a belly button piercing. Would you go with me as a and do that with me? And I she said, knew. She, she knew when to bring it up. <laughs> Our kids, would, they yeah. know. Let me get dad first. They had never, All emotional. So uh-huh. smart. So smart. Because I immediately was like, yes. Of yes. course. Of course you can. Go right out. Whatever you ask <laughs> is a yes. And so, and so we did. And so that was the first time that she had seen me dressed was, was when they came to Vegas and it was we came so down. natural for her. She and, got out and just went, wow, you're beautiful. Oh, and the lady so said, okay, this is going to hurt. Who's going to go first. And I said, I'm the dad. I'll always do the painful things first. I'll always do the hardest things first. It's me. I'm the dad, but I'm wearing a skirt and Sam reaches up and I'm laying there and she's holding my hand. And Aww. it was this very tender moment that erased all of the fears that I've had for 18 years. Mm. So it was, it was very, very tender. That's beautiful. Andrea, what, what did we miss on your notes? You had a whole bunch of notes ready for this. Is there anything we didn't ask you that we, that you wanted to say that you have? I know. I mean, there's like a notebook. She's got a notebook. It is. And I'm old school. I have to have my notes. (laughs) So why she looks, why she looks at those notes. Can I, can I ask you some questions, please? Oh, sure. So, so before this, what, what were kind of your feelings on transgender? Were you, or are you not where you are you? I don't expect I change anything, but are you, is it deviant to you? Is it hmm. suspicious? Maybe you, your views have changed. I'll go first. Andre, Andre has spent a lot of time and she can share uh, this with you, but she spent a lot of time. Working with the trans community. Yeah, in Atlanta specifically. and I've helped with a lot of uh, transitions. I'm in medicine. And Uh, back when there was really nobody helping with uh, people transitioning, I just researched the hell out of it and came up with some plans for my patients (laughs) and did it with them. So... Now we have a whole transgender clinic and we have a whole thing that's available and access. Um, This is to underserved, uninsured patients. So, um, but yeah, I kind of just started it myself for a while. So I've been involved with the trans community for a really long time. I have not This is new for Jeff. To be really, if I'm really honest with you. Uh, the first time I re- I remember Andre sharing with me 
which she's not supposed to talk about her patients, but she did share with me like the first patient she was going through this transition with. And I, I, it's funny, the words you said earlier about you wish they would understand. Like I was, I just, <laughs> and that's, pro I, at that moment, I just did not understand to be really honest. And that's been probably a, a true statement for a long time for me because I, I'm not in relationship with someone that is trans like that. And so, so it's not that I'm against it or uh, anything like that, but I think out of relationship, I fully have not had a, a complete understanding. I mean, if that, I don't know if that's, if I'm really raw and really honest, if yeah. you're not in it, it's hard to understand. And I think to, I, I also think today, I mean, I think, I I really appreciate your vulnerability, both of you, because I think it's given me more understanding to be really to be really truthful. Um, oh, well, and again, this isn't a. I didn't come into this like against any of this or anything like that, or or I. It's interesting. I liked your word deviant. I've never thought of it that way. It's been like more of a. It seems a, like a church phrase. Yeah, I that would bring. <laughs> bring yeah, I thought anything, anything like that. But I, but I, but in fairness, I haven't fully been able to understand it. I don't think. Um, and, but desire to. Is that is that is that a real honest, truthful answer? Yeah. Well, that's that's good. You know, if if, if Matt Walsh were sitting right next to me. You know, I mean, and and I think that Matt Walsh is probably a uh, a stand-up guy. I think he's 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 probably really a plus player. So it's not that just because I'm down on that movie, I'm not down on Matt Walsh or or his beliefs or anything else. But the only difference between my thinking and Matt Walsh's thinking is proximity to the problem. That's mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. When his child is looking him in the eyes saying. No, I'm a girl. I'm not. I was not built to survive in this other environment. Environment. Those are not the switches that I have. And he realizes that child's health, their mental health, their happiness is contingent on, on them being able to dress to their strengths and be exactly who they need to be. All of a sudden, he has the rest of his life to go. How do I make this child blend in and feel important and feel valuable? Where do I take them? to do their shopping and do, you know, this, mm -hmm. how do I get the teachers to just teach them like all the other kids? How do I get them to feel just as important and valuable as all the other kids? And then all of a sudden you have to think differently. You have to take a concept that, that, that is so hard to understand. Mm -hmm. And you just have to just start to understand it differently by thinking differently because mm -hmm. that's your people and their health. But that's the only difference between my thinking and everybody's thinking is proximity to the problem. Mm. But that it's coming to every family. It just is. Mm. Whether it's your kids, your grandkids, whether it's your kids who dating somebody and they just found out, hey, look, you know, I love this girl and she's got a penis. Oh, my gosh. Now, am I gay? I know the church says that if I'm gay, I'm going to hell. Am I going to hell? I had no idea. You know, this mm -hmm. this issue is coming to your family. And the sooner we can understand it, the sooner we can respect it, the sooner we can support people in a way that's healthy for everybody, not just healthy for our own belief system, our own bias, our own conditions. Mm -hmm. As soon as we can support it in a way that's healthy for everybody, 
the better off we're going to be because everyone needs to use the bathroom in a safe place. Everybody does. Mm -hmm. You know, not everybody needs to be on the soccer field, but everybody needs to use the restroom and they shouldn't have to fight their way in or fight their way out. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's the reality. So, you know, I'm, I really appreciate you picking this up and, and Andre, wow. To somebody, you know, I've been saying from the beginning, people say, well, with the trans community, they're so loud. They're so abrasive. They're so, you know, in your face. And I'm saying, well, wait a minute. History has taught us that there's no other way to do it. The blacks had to fight for themselves. The women had to fight for themselves. The gays had to fight for themselves, right? If there's a different way, history hasn't taught us. There wasn't a bunch of white people saying, oh, no, I'm, I'm not happy with this injustice, mm-hmm. right? There wasn't a bunch of men saying, no, I demand women get paid fairly, mm-hmm. right? They had to stand up for themselves. So if, if there's a better way, history hasn't taught us. Mm-hmm. And what I'm doing is saying, hey, I think there can be a better way this time. I think there can be. I think that we can bring this information, this understanding in a way that it doesn't take the abrasion, the abuse, the demands, and we can help people before they're in that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, when the little kid wraps their arms around and says, Grandpa, guess what I'm going to be? I'm going to be a girl. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, what comes out of that grandpa's mouth next is going to affect that child. It's going to affect that child forever. Mm -hmm. And later when no one else believes in that kid, and they're down and they're frustrated. They're going to go, my, my grandpa believed in me mm-hmm. and he's never, ever wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, the proper response to that moment is like, no, you're not. You're a boy. It's wow. What kind of a girl are you going to be? A doctor girl, an astronaut girl, a lawyer girl. Tell me about your ambitions. Mm-hmm. Tell me how great you want to be. Let me help you get there. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm just, and then this is the last thing I'll say. I know you guys got to go, but it's, as far as a piece of, of advice that I think would be helpful for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that my sphere of influence has been pretty special. I've been pretty selective. And as I came out to these people that have been very, very important to me, their response was very, very similar. And the response was this, Hey, um, okay, listen, as long as you're not hurting anybody, I, I, I really don't care. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. what they're saying is, listen, I'm really open. I I I know you. I love you. La la la. You're great. But all I could hear, all I could hear, after being nervous to tell them all those years, all I could hear is, hurt people. You that made you think of me hurting people. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you think of me hurting people? Like, I I would be the only person I would ever hurt. Like, and and as long as I don't mm-hmm. hurt people, you don't care. I don't want you to be indifferent. I'm coming to you because I want a different relationship. Mm-hmm. So I, I, what that person is saying and what's being heard is not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it can be the difference of, of really being hurt mm-hmm. versus really being accepted. What, a, what maybe a better response would have been, would have been, wow, I don't know anything about that, mm-hmm. but I know about you and I don't know how to support it. And I'm probably going to have a ton of questions. But if you'll just help me understand, if you'll tell me what support looks like, I want to do that for you because you're important to me. I don't get mm. it, but I get you. Mm. And that that would have made what came next a whole lot different, a whole lot different. And now it's time for the breakdown. This is the biggest breakdown of all time. I don't what? know. I'm joking. I, I feel like we need like a pause whew. and like some breathing and some just like 
letting it settle and ruminate inside, maybe many of you do just need to press like stop and just sit in quiet and don't listen to our breakdown because I think it just needs to settle deep. Are we really going to just be quiet for a second? No. Can I keep talking? Yeah. Okay. So I (laughs) think here's my takeaway. It's not on the whole topic. It's really the, the topic to me of the breakdown is not on the trans topic. The topic is on marriage and to what length are you willing to fall in love with the next version of your partner? And for me, I don't know mm-hmm. what your breakdown is, but this is for me. I don't know. And I think I told them this. I don't know if this is in the interview now or afterwards. I was like, I don't know if I could stay with you if this scenario happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I have that. I, maybe that's my limit in love. Is that an interesting? I don't. And what's also interesting, and I don't know, it hasn't happened to us, but. Another thing that I think is interesting is the changes that have happened in you to me seem a lot simpler than in this scenario. So yeah, it's it's this interview has stuck with me and stuck with me, stuck with me because I it really challenged to what length I'm willing to stay and fall in love with you in every season of your life. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that I've ever heard a story that has impacted me in this way as much as their story has. Mm. Yeah. There's something about allowing your partner to be fu- fully who they are supposed to be in whatever way that looks because... If you're not able to be fully you, then and like wholeheartedly you, and you're tampering that or yeah. hiding parts or, or then this between us isn't gonna make it long term. And if I can't be right. fully, if I'm me, holding something back, if you're holding something back, right? Right. And so there's something too about this that Andrea had allowed Alyssa to be fully like in her whole being of who she identifies as, which then even she said made their marriage even better and made it more happy and made it more whole. And so that can, this is a learning for us and maybe ours is not a trans story, but like there's a learning in, allowing your partner to be fully themselves Mm. and loving them and staying with them and accepting them. Yeah. I remember there's a moment with Alyssa where she was like, Jeff, what Jeff, what do you think about this? I was like, I don't know. This is a lot. It's like (laughs) a lot for me to process, which was interesting. I think your eyes stayed like this big the whole time. Alyssa let me actually be true to where I am right now too, mm. which I thought was a really powerful concept. And she was so graceful. Right. She, and Aly- so Aly- kind. Alyssa was, Jeff, where are you at on the spectrum of this? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and that was okay because Alyssa is who Alyssa is. I could be who I am. 
Mm. which is another thing I think that took away yeah. in our relationship. Like if one of us is fully true to who we are, how we're growing, what we need, what we want, what mm-hmm. we're learning, then the other person can actually be the same. So if you're yes, holding something back, exactly. the chances are the other person is holding something back also. Exactly. The the like Zimzam, the thing that's between you two. Oh, look at you dropping some Rob. Is not bell. going to be fully what it should be mm. because there is somebody's holding back. There's something blocking like all the potential it could be. Absolutely. Oh, Alyssa and Andrea are greatest teachers. Okay. Thank you. I just want you to know that you need to follow her. If this was an impacting story for you, Uh, you can follow her at trans Alyssa, A-L-L-Y-S-S-A. She is on TikTok and YouTube and has so many educational uh, videos and stories. And that's how I found her. She was educating me a long way back and was really helpful for me. And I hope that you follow her. And I hope this story was impactful and encouraging in some way as it was to us. Yep. Very grateful for this interview. I think it was one of our best interviews ever. Mm. Well, that wraps this episode up. It's another episode of Love or Work.